Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Scott Boris. Good afternoon. It is Tuesday, February 11th. Another storm is on its way. By Thursday, we are going to be in frigid temps. This is going to be one of the roughest weeks of the winter. Okay, maybe not. 1209, 27 degrees right now. They're calling for snow again on Thursday. Or Wednesday into Thursday, and then the coldest weather of the winter season coming before the week is over. So Joe Biden is turning his attention to South Carolina, huh? You're a line dog face pony soldier. No, that's legit. I'm serious. No, he really is. So I guess that kind of tells you what he thinks about his odds today and throughout the day and into tonight, right? Moving on to South Carolina. I'm moving on to South Carolina. I got your word straight, Jack. He, um, I don't know that all his, all, he's all in on South Carolina. I guess in some ways, is it South Carolina or bust? I still think, I still believe it'll be Biden. Although the Bloomberg factor is starting to, the whispers are getting louder and louder that I, but I, I still, that was my original pick way back when to win the Democrats' nomination. I just thought, you know, Joe Biden, in the end, they're going to rally around him. Because I think if you were to, from a Republican standpoint, if you were to say, which Republic, uh, which Democrat do you fear the most? Which one do you think is the biggest threat to the president? I still think it's Biden. I still do. I think... Um, Biden and then the Bloomberg whispers are starting to get louder. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. We will be riveted. I will be riveted. I will be sitting watching all the 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 numbers roll in from New Hampshire tonight. Maybe tomorrow we might try to catch up with Craig Gilbert, Journal Sentinel political reporter, Washington bureau chief, one of the smartest people when it comes to elections and politics that you can ever talk to. And then we can ask him, Craig, are we putting too much emphasis on New Hampshire and Iowa? And he'll say, yes, yes, you are. I am intrigued. I read an article today uh, proposing the Great Lake states should be the first round of primaries in future campaign cycles. That the Great Lake states, Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, I think those were the only ones, um, they are together the most representative of any you know, conglomerate of states when it comes to an accurate depiction of who Americans are. We'll see. I don't know, but Biden is apparently heading out. This story that I want to lead off with here in our academic mortgage talk and text line is 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. This is a real head-scratcher for a few reasons, for a few factors. Imagine being arrested for a series of fraudulent transactions while you're an assistant manager for a retail clothing store. Imagine also being arrested 
for profane and threatening language over a public airway, being arrested for larceny, felony embezzlement, felony loan not paid, and false statements. Imagine having all that in your background, still being hired, and being hired as an office manager in charge of the books. How in the world does that happen? That is exactly what has happened and what happened to the packing house in Milwaukee. As Hannah Kirby writes in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the woman's name is Rebecca Pineda, or Pineda. She's, uh, she's also known as Rebecca Hart of 34. Uh, she's 34. She's a West Allis uh, resident. There we go. Another proud moment for me and my fellow West Elysians. She has pleaded no contest to embezzling from her former employer, the Packing House. Everybody knows where that is in Milwaukee. And impersonating a lawyer. She pled guilty, is pleaded guilty, to embezzling about $30,000 from the Packing House while she was an office manager there for about seven months. That comes out to about $4,300 a month worth of embezzling in just seven short months. But again, what did I say before? She was arrested in 2011 for fraudulent transactions, for profane and threatening language over a public airway, arrested for larceny, for felony embezzlement, for a felony loan not paid, and for false statements. All that came and was in her past when she was hired by the folks at the packing house. And at 855-616-1620, I want you to think for a moment. Does the packing house or does any employer who hires someone with that in their background, do they share some degree of the responsibility? I am in no way, shape, or form saying that Rebecca Pineda slash Rebecca Hart, same woman, is not to blame for her crimes. She's pleading no contest. She did it. She deserves the ultimate punishment possible. But if you were to dole out a percentage of responsibility in this, can you see how an employer, how a company that would hire her with that, I would say, checkered past, but I think checkered past might be an understatement. Don't you believe that having that type of history and coming in, doesn't your employer share some responsibility when you do wrong again? 855-616-1620. We'll continue on WTMJ. I'm Scott Warris. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. It's a mind-boggling story, really. I, I'm always struck, and you, unfortunately, we we seem to have a lot of these stories here in our news cycle over the years, where somebody was hired, put over the money, and start and, and embezzles X amount of dollars, and they get away with it for months and sometimes years and years at a time. I always wonder what's going on inside the walls of that business. They just put like all their trust in that person. Or that person earns their trust, and then after time, they they start embezzling, siphoning off the top, or doing any number of things. She had five different tactics she used, Rebecca Pineda used. What goes on that allows for this to happen? I, I always imagine that people kind of whisper. There's always that, hey, 
something something not right. But does anybody ever speak up and speak out? I don't know. I hope I never have to experience it, that's for sure. Uh, Milwaukee, it's Scott. Hey, Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Sure. You know, I was leaning towards, yes, that there was some sharing of some blame uh, on the on the packing house mm-hmm. until you t- until you said Virginia. And, you know, as as a former employer that's hired people, mm-hmm. there is, if, if you're not, if you didn't tell, if, they, if she didn't tell the packing house, that she used to that she was from Virginia, which I'm I'm going to assume she did because she's a professional at this. Yeah, sure seems. Uh, that way. Then there is yeah, then there is no way that 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 small business owner would have been able to to discern that her her criminal past mm-hmm. unless he checked every single you know CCAP related you know what we've got here in Wisconsin and and that I used to search for all my employees. Uh, unless he goes through every state or even does a Lexus Nexus, which is going to be expensive. And, you know, credit, a credit report won't, won't bring that stuff up or, or anything like that. So, no, she was a professional. She, 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 uh, she got, she got away with it, away me, with it because okay. she Scotty, was. Let, let me ask you this, Scott. Let me ask you this because you sure. said that you were, you, you were a, a, a hirer at one point. You, you, you hire yep. people. Yep. So if people go through, a background check, or if you run a back, a criminal background check on a potential employee, and I think when I was hired here, I think uh, here all, all of us had good karma. You have to, you know, they, they run a criminal background check or a background check on you. Does that only encompass the state? Because I, I just assume that it's anything that might pop up on the radar, anything in the country. But no. Well, you, you have to understand that good karma is a large corporation. So oh, they sure. Can afford it varies, a, right? A, you know, a formal, yeah, a formal background check, which would include LexisNexis, mm-hmm. which which is the 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 uh, the criminal uh, lawyer or, or law search of everywhere, uh, as well as bankruptcies. Uh, but you know, small. Right. That's a small business. Yeah, smaller I mean, companies aren't going to be able to afford it or necessarily yeah, think so that do, they have to. You'll do, you'll do where you where where you told your employer where you used to live, mm-hmm. and you'll and that's Wisconsin, I'm sure, because you know when she lives in West Dallas, yeah, I'll do a C cap in Wisconsin. She came up clear in Wisconsin, so mm-hmm. boom, that's it. Is that you'd like to think in this day and age there would be a, a an affordable way? for employers, big or small, to do a thorough check of people they're hiring. Now, if they say, I just don't want to do it, then then that's one thing, and we can well, criticize them. But, 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 if they can't af- but if they can't afford it, that's certainly right. another thing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Take Scott. I, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your perspective. Um, Joe in South Milwaukee texts into the show um, a similar Story, I used to work for a liquor distribution company, and I hired a new driver. Uh, Let's see, hired a new driver within a few weeks, ended up not going to any of his accounts, but ended up selling the product out of his truck to feed his habit, uh, his drug addiction. And our human resource person was removed from the post because she did not run his background check properly. The guy had an extensive record. I I just will be curious to find out and follow this, this case how, or I should say, to what extent did the packing house go to vet Rebecca Pineda? Now, there is, and some of, some of you have brought this up online, uh, on the text line as well. There's one more 
really, I guess, ironic, fascinatingly ironic part about this story. The name Rebecca Pineda, the name Rebecca Hart, there's a really, really good chance that it strikes a familiar chord with you because we heard about Rebecca Pineda, Rebecca Hart, just a couple of short weeks ago for the very opposite reason for which we're discussing her right now. We'll close the story with that little diamond in the rough detail when we come back. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Apropos, it was January 23rd, so that's 18 days ago, that the Journal Sentinel did an expose, a little feature, as it were, on Rebecca Hart and her husband, Noel Pineda. And it was about their company, Lash Dolls, in Hale's Corners. I'm looking at the article right here. The headline, this couple started a lash extension business in their home. Now their clients include Brewers, Wives, and Miss Wisconsin, USA. There they are. Let me just tell you something. If you look at her photo here in the nice shot with her husband, does not look at all like like her mugshot. In fact, you go, is that the same woman? Yeah, but again, how many people's mugshots look just like their regular everyday shot? Yep. There it is. And I know some of you have waited on the text line saying, didn't she run that lash company that they, yeah, it's a luxury lash, well, it was, a luxury lash extension boutique. She was lashing out of a small room inside her West Dallas home before she expanded to her place in Hale's Corners. So there you have it. So yeah, if you're thinking, man, that name sounded familiar. She was running her own company in Hale's Corners. Had some pretty high-profile clients, it appears. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think she's lost the clientele. I understand what many of you are saying when it comes to you can only put so much of an onus on the packing house. Somebody, a couple people, sent me a link that uh, to a to a, a national crime database website. There's a one hundred dollars to search. I, I understand the cost constraints of smaller businesses as opposed to larger corporations and how much they can spend on vetting potential employees. But this is I think this is a reminder for a lot of even smaller companies. You might want to consider spending a little extra money just to make sure that that person you're bringing in really is as good as they claim and really doesn't have something like this in her past. They clearly just did not do it or could not do it. Otherwise, who's hiring a woman with that type of track record, albeit in Virginia? I just, I, I can't imagine who. We'll follow that story. I'd be curious to see how the packing house comes out in that. It is amazing, and I, I said it before, but it is really what happens in an office where somebody can get away with something like that for that long. And I, I, I'm convinced there's whispers and there's rumors and some a couple people maybe have a hunch and something's just not right. And oftentimes that is the case, but people get away with it for a long time. Sue Sachiva, remember that name? She was the COS employee who got away with that crime as long as she did. Millions of dollars. 
That's probably the most high-profile incident. But there have been others. Let's stay on money for a second. Kyle Paczynski producing the program. Kyle, do you keep money from your fiance? Is she she's not listening right now. She's at work. Is do you have a secret stash? Do you have a secret stash tucked away somewhere that she does not know about and may never know about even once the vows are exchanged? Uh no. No, I got a coin jar. That's about it. <laughs> Does she know about the coin jar? Uh, no, she's got one of her own. And every once in a while, I, you know, I, like I need a couple quarters I'll, for laundry or whatever. I'll take some from hers, then from mine. But <laughs> that's about it. Nearly one in two adults were staying on a financial theme here for the first hour. <laughs> Nearly one in two adults admit to hiding money secrets from their significant other. Does that surprise you? Mm, not necessarily. I mean, money I, secrets. I, I, Kaylee and I are pretty transparent with our money stuff. Like, I have credit card debt. She doesn't really have mm-hmm. all that much. So I could see, like, for that purpose, someone hiding that. Hiding the debt. Yeah, hiding, like, either credit card debt mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, maybe not knowing what you're really getting yourself into when you get married or something like that. Chances are um, nearly half or 44%. Of those in a relationship, admit to committing what they call financial infidelity against their partner, creditcards.com says. Most often, they are spending more than they feel their significant other would be comfortable with. Others have a secret account or credit card, and about 1 in 10 have some sort of hidden debt. 855-616-1620. I'm a single guy. So at the moment, I cannot tell you that I'm hiding it from a significant other. So I'm going to turn to all of you. I, I never have, for the record, I never have. Um, I, what's the, is there a benefit to doing it? There can't be. It's just got to be out of, well, embarrassment maybe if it's to the debt. Maybe you're afraid that if you disclose the debt you have to your significant other, it can be a relationship breaker. But if you're going to go all the way down the path of marriage, and then what do you say <laughs> during the honeymoon? Hey, honey, i got to break some news to you. Yeah, I've got uh, about $105,000 in student loan debt. What? And you, you, you wanted to marry me? 36% cited the need for privacy hmm, or the desire to control their own finances. 27% said the issue never came up. Well, here we go. 26% said they're embarrassed about the way they handle money. 2,500 adults currently married in a civil partnership or living with their partner. Let's do this. Let's discuss this. If you want to give a phony fake name in case your significant other is listening and you don't want them to know, we will take a phony name. That's okay. 855-616-1620. My question to you is this, whether you're a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girl, whatever the case may be, is this a legit number? I'm, I'm, ki- I'm kind of startled by it that nearly half of adults hide money from their significant others. And it, it can, hiding money can be classified in a couple different ways. Whether you have a secret stash, which is how I initially presented the question to Kyle, maybe you have a secret stash that you do not tell your significant other about, or maybe... Maybe you have some debt, 
and you've kept it as a secret because you're afraid it could be a deal breaker, as it were. Have this discussion. You have to enlighten me a little bit on this one because I, I, this is something foreign to me. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you ever hid a money secret from your significant other? And tell me why. I imagine you've got a pretty good rationale for it, but I'd love to hear your calls when we come back. And text as well on WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Money secrets from your significant other. Apparently you're not alone. Almost half half of adults do it. And money secrets can be a, a secret pot somewhere. Or it can be a secret as in, I've got so much debt, but there's no way that he or she is going to marry me if I tell them how much debt I'm bringing into the relationship. 855-616-1620. You can give us a fake, phony name. That's okay. I just want to hear your stories. And if this is legit, do you have a story of, well, hiding money secrets? Before we go to the phones, the text line, after my husband passed away, I found three wallets of his. I went through them. He had over $1,700 stashed away in those three wallets. 262. I'm in my 30s. I'm the only one out of all my friends that has a joint family banking account. All the rest of them keep their money separate and to themselves. Let's see. uh, Tom from West Bend. I keep a little cash on the side my wife doesn't know about, and I use it primarily for gifts for her. Otherwise, it's never a surprise. Okay. It's from tips or maybe Packer Pool money that that I've won over the years. And one more text and then to the phones from the 262. After being single into my 30s and having a good credit history, I got married. Within one month, she ran my cards up to the limit and emptied our checking account. I took her off all the cards and bank accounts, and we now each have our own. It really depends on who you marry. See, my question there, my follow-up question to that texter would be, did you discuss this and ask her is this in your past? Why were you hiding this from me? I mean, I'm assuming if you do that upon being married, that's clearly something in your background that you failed to share. I doubt that she ju- that they just got married and then all of a sudden she goes wild with the finances. Usually that is a trait that's developed over time. All right, let's hear some of your stories. 855-616-1620. I'm kind of surprised by this total. And like I say, I'm a single guy, so I'm trying to put myself in the position of some of you. I, I don't I don't know that I would be you gotta be up front with somebody, right? Especially if a relationship gets serious, let alone marriage. Hmm? Yeah, maybe not. Let's start with Jackie in Waukesha. Hi Jackie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Do you have a secret stash? Do, are you hiding money secrets, Jackie? Well, I am not, but my husband is. Well, then I I do have to say, Jackie, I guess it's not so secretive (laughs) if you know that he's doing it. (laughs) Well, I don't know exactly where or how, but he's he's better with money, so that's fine. But it just seems like when we have a big vacation coming up, um, you know, suddenly it's pretty much covered. So it's not malicious. Mm -hmm. It's for a good – it's for us. And I'm sure he would – tell me all about it, you know, where and how much, if I actually ask. But it's kind of more fun not knowing. 
Hmm. Because it's used for a good use. Like this year, he surprised me. He had enough cash saved up to purchase a used vehicle for me to use for my um, volunteer stuff that I do. So he surprised me with that. So as long as the as long as the surprises, as long as the secrets are good secrets, as long as the surprises remain good surprises, you're just kind of okay going along with. He's got whatever he's got, and I'm okay with this arrangement. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I would dig into it if there were if there were other signs, but right. but but so far we're good. You know, and you, I fully admit he's better with the money than I am. So I was so going to say, it's Jackie, kind of a win-win. That is what you are practicing. What we call plausible deniability. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Yes. Thank you, Jackie. All right, keep keep the keep the secret uh, as long as it's a good secret. Jackie and her husband. Let's just keep rolling with what we're doing. Interesting. Okay, so so that I guess that's an example of a good hidden money secret. Eight five five six one six one six twenty on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hmm. Jerry in Franksville. Hi, Jerry. Hey, how's it going? Good, Jerry. So. Are you uh, keeping a, a money secret from your wife? Uh, I, I won't. I won't call it a secret, but I, I have. Uh, I have a stash of money that I use for vacations and what have you. My wife knows that I have it. She don't know how much it is, but oh. she knows that I have it, and we make a joke out of it, you know. And but sometimes she'll ask me for money, and I'll go down to the cellar and I come up with whatever it is she wanted. I work hard every day, and I think. As a man, that's just like a position that I take pride in and being able to say, hey, you know, if there's something that we need, I got it. And I don't have to go to my wife and say, hey, you got 50 bucks I can borrow because she controls the finance. Mm-hmm. You no, know, as a man, I think that we should always have some money where case of emergency or whatever, no one needs to know that it's there but us or how much it is, actually. Mm-hmm. Knowing that it's there, that's one thing, but knowing how much is another. So she knows it's there, but you know how much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call, Jerry. He said something interesting there. He said, as a man, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, as a man, that, that's a role I take pride in. Hmm. Maybe we have to double back on that. Because I have a feeling that that, not that the, I mean, that's not necessarily a wrong belief, but I have a feeling that that belief is not nearly as popular, maybe, as it once was. Okay, this is good. 855-616-1620 on the Academy Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Kenosha, it's Tom. Hi, Tom. Do you have a money secret? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi. Uh, well, so this one's kind of a strike, too. Uh, I, my wife and I, I had a little bit of credit card debt. She took out a loan, paid it off. Uh, strike two was when I ran some more debt up. I had to come clean. It wasn't good for my stress. It wasn't good for really anything. Uh, I was afraid to confront her. She took out, she uh, she handled it well, took out another loan, and needless to say, she's got debit cards, credit cards. Or she's in total control of finances. I got a two-week allowance every time I get paid. And truthfully, we got a lot more cash flow because I haven't been buying a bunch of crap. Uh, I mean, it's, it's actually helped quite a bit. We've been able to pay off the car. And, okay. So you ran up the credit card debt initially without her knowing it, but now she's kind of taking the reins when it comes to the finances. Well, huh? well strike 
one, she knew I had the credit card then, so she, you know, willingly paid it off because we're married and everything. And then, well, strike two, I did it again. I learned my lesson this time, and she increased the loan, paid it off, and it's just, okay. you know, originally our finances were separate. Now they're combined. She's in control of what I'm taking in, mm-hmm. and we've actually been flourishing quite a bit better because, well, we know where the money's going. Sure. Uh, that, that makes total sense. Thanks for the call, Tom. For the record, Tom is on strike two. <laughs> Let's hope he just, the rest of the marriage plays out with a two-strike count. One more call on reacting to the news that 44% of adults admit to keeping money secrets from a partner. All right, Jay in Oak Creek. All right, Jay, how secretive have you been? Well, I keep a couple of grand on the side because my wife pays all the bills. Mm. And how can I buy her a a surprise Christmas present, birthday present, anniversary Mm. present without her knowing? And then she wouldn't have to be paying for it. I mean, both of us paying for it. Here is coming out of my pocket, not of both of our pockets. Does she know about your, your side fund? Uh, she might have a little clue. She has no idea how much I have. I kind of want to ask you how much you have. Just, just a couple of grand. Okay. All right. All right. Because I, you know what? I bet she's, even if she had some idea that, boy, you know, Jay's got something, something on the, something on the side over there. But I bet the fact that she's benefiting from it is like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet and not say anything about it. (laughs) She has to know about it because she never gets a bill at the at, at the end of the month when after she gets a nice present. This is true. This is true. All right, hey, why mess with a good thing? Why mess with a good thing? How many years have you guys been married? Thirty years. Oh well, then for crying out loud, keep on keeping on. Thanks for the call, Jay. All right, there we have it. Eric Bilstead is here for news. Can I put you on the spot? You just walked in, so I know you're doing many things in the newsroom. Forty-four percent of adults admit to keeping money secrets from a partner. Uh, you and Angie, uh, anything? Uh, and, and no, Angie handles all the books. I know of it. She shares the budget with me, which is very detailed on spreadsheets and whatnot. She's an accountant. Oh, uh, but no, I have no money hidden from her. Okay. But that you know, Jay's got a good idea there because oftentimes I can't buy her anything because she sees right away what happened on the the credit card bill, yeah. so I can't sneak anything in. So. If she's seeing the cost of it on the bill before the gift is actually unwrapped. Right. Uh, you know, the surprise. We'll end on this, the 608 texter. Scott, would it surprise you to know that I keep $10,000 in cash in my mother's freezer that no one else knows about? I was raised on the northwest side of Milwaukee by Depression-era Germans. Uh, my answer, you better believe it. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. So, Eric, you did not hear Joe Biden's latest Bidenism on the campaign trail? The um, the insults he gave to the voter? That the it was an insult, but it was like a friendly insult. <laughs> it was. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Get your words straight, Jack. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I just—I like him. Uh, I, just, I 
Joe Biden, whatever you think of his politics, he's a likable guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I just, if you, I, I would go have a beer with Joe Biden. There's sure, some politicians sure. I'd have no interest having a beer with. Like, I wouldn't want a beer with, with, with Bernie Sanders. That just seems like he would kind of yell at me the whole time. <laughs> and then make me pay for it. Ah, make me pay for his beer. So, his Biden's campaign, we're, we're trying to f- see how, where, what, how does lying dog-faced pony soldier, we're, <laughs> that's just a combination of terms and words you probably have never heard put together in a sentence before. So they've asked the campaign to comment. They claim it's a line from a John Wayne movie. But mm. a couple of these news outlets, unable to find the movie immediately, but it's worth pointing out John Wayne made 180 <laughs> movies, so you're not going to watch. All we're looking for time well is... You're a line dog-faced pony soldier. Now what movie? <laughs> well, listen there. What, what, what was the uh, well? Listen there, Parton. So, yeah, part, what so, was it? What did he say? What was the John Wayne thing? Pilgrim, Pilgrim. 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 Well, hello there, Pilgrim. You lying dog-faced pony soldier. You. That's a horrible John Wayne impression. But he made 180 of them. So they found this. There is a 1952 film called Pony Soldier. <laughs> However, uh, where a chief does say the. Pony soldier speaks with a tongue of the snake that rattles. Wow. Okay. And in John Wayne's 1949 movie, she wore a yellow ribbon, uh, which has no Native American chiefs in it. The narrator does use the phrase dog-faced soldiers. So it would appear (laughs) that Uncle Joe has combined a phrase between a 49 Wayne movie and a 52 Wayne movie and gotten your line dog face pony soldier. <laughs> I mean, between that and malarkey and li- I just that's allowable. His right? idiosyncrasies are just they're very endearing to me. Did you hear that the campaign is going to leave here before the polls close tonight? What? I got your word straight, Jack. Well, I, they said he's going. I I heard that, and uh, Melissa reported at twelve thirty that he is going to address his supporters via teleconference. He's going to address his New Hampshire people via teleconference from South Carolina. You know what that tells you? Quick conference call. There you go. (laughs) If if I'm in South Carolina, I don't plan on having a good night. (laughs) It's not going to be a good night if I'm already in South Carolina and you're just... And and is is his sister, his sister or a cousin, somebody is going to be addressing the throngs of people at the (laughs) Biden rally. Here's my second cousin to say how much we appreciate what you did for the campaign. That's uh, it. Really comes down to Super Tuesday, though. We're a ways away from it really being defined as who the front runners are. What day is Super Tuesday? March third, I, I want to say. Okay, I that's uh, day. is that a Monday? Super Tuesday. That's it's a joke. <laughs> I got your word straight, Jack. All right, we'll see. Maybe he'll give us a gem in South Carolina. So, if anybody can shed any light, I'm sure we have a lot of John Wayne enthusiasts out there. If anybody can shed any light, you know what, Kyle. Can I can I task you with this between now and three o'clock? If you, can, I'm going to nominate you for we we have employee of the month sure, quarter yeah. here. If you can find the line from the 1952 John Wayne film called Pony Soldier, where the apparently a Native American chief says the pony soldier speaks with a tongue of the snake that rattles, and if you can find the 1949 John Wayne movie She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, <laughs> where the narrator uses the phrase dog faced soldiers. 
we're talking employee of the month but and stuff. Then here. you can edit together and yes. turn it into Lion Dog Face yep. Pony Soldier. I'm on it. <laughs> Start the clock by Friday. By Friday. All right. Yeah. Wow. You do have to laugh, and I. At some point, you can just kind of step back and take a breath and just have a chuckle at some of the political. <laughs> the political. What would you say? Humor come whether it's intended or not. There is humor in these political times that we live in, and just find find it where you can find a little sliver of humor, laugh about it, joke about it. Right? You have to have some sort of. You have to be able to laugh at yourself, and not that Joe Biden's laughing at himself, but he should. But I just think, what nickname would he call Trump? If if he wins the nomination, oh that all right. Another conversation for another day. Have you cut the cord? Have you cut the cable cord? I have thought about it frequently in the last couple of years, and yet, and I'm, it's my own fault, and yet, the really the only time I think about cutting it is when it's that time of the month to pay the bill, pay my my Spectrum bill. That is the only time I think about, you know what? I got to stop paying for this. What am I paying for? Look at the size of this bill that I'm paying every month. What am I doing when there's all these other viewing options that are out there? Have you done it? And are you glad you did? Or maybe maybe you you did and you said, this is not working out. Give me my cable package back. 855-616-1620. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855 616 one six twenty, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because apparently, um this past Sunday, right? Yeah, this past Sunday was National Cutting the Cord Day. <laughs> yes, a, a made up holiday. I think the folks at Sling TV invented it, but uh it's okay. We can we can kinda have fun with it as well. But did you cut the cord? I, I need your help on this. And what did you switch to after you said i'm done with cable because i feel and i just did a little little survey here in the room and in the studio that youtube tv seems to be growing in popularity kyle you said that's what you guys have bill stad said that that's what uh, his family now has that youtube and i was talking with somebody over the weekend that had switched to youtube tv and loves it absolutely loves it what is the best thing about youtube tv as compared to traditional cable, other than the price? Well, we only switched uh, to YouTube TV because that's what my family was using. So we're under, like, the family plan umbrella. Before, I was using Sling, mm. which is uh, super affordable. Yeah. You get almost the same channels as YouTube. Um, but, yeah, we we're, we don't use any cable at all. So we have, like, Netflix, Hulu, yeah. have uh, all of it. So, okay. um, But we find that it's, it's more affordable because I, I don't know the prices of cable, but I think we pay maybe... 50 to 60 bucks Ooh. for all of that <sighs> just collectively. Rubbing it, rubbing it in now, aren't you? Rubbing it in. Yeah, that, that hurts to hear me say that, to hear you say that. 855-616-1620. Or maybe are you like me? Have you, have you, have you thought about it? But usually you only think about it when that, you know, monthly payment is taken out of your account or if you're old school writing a check and sending it in. At, if you still have cable, I, I would be really surprised if at this point in 2020 where 
the idea of moving on to something else more affordable doesn't enter your brain. So uh, give me a call, shoot me a text, and tell me what you've switched to. You mentioned YouTube TV. Apparently it's you know, about forty nine ninety nine, seventy channels. Up to six accounts can access the programming for the monthly fee. Hulu with live TV. They've got AT&T now. You mentioned Sling TV as well. They all have pros and cons. What was the con that they listed for YouTube TV? When you record a show on YouTube, it's with the expectation that you can watch it the way a cord cutter would want to, with the ability to fast-forward through commercials, but some shows come in as video-on-demand versions and no functionality to zip through the ads, or some shows get recorded in an alternate version. CBS Sunday Morning does not show up on CBS, but instead the Pop Network, which is owned by CBS. So let's talk about this. Cord cutting. It's as popular now as ever. Did you do it? What did you switch to? Are you thinking about it? Or you say, no way, no way, no shape, no form, no chance. 855-616-1620. Or again, are you like me and you only think about it when you're having to pay a rather exorbitant bill for traditional cable? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> so, during the commercial break, and my email up here on the screen. During the commercial break, I actually got an email from, from Spectrum promoting some one of their many services as if they're listening going, uh-oh, that Warris guy may be on shaky ground when it comes to his cable. We need to hit up his... Hit up his email. Uh, cut the cord. And, you know, I, I'm, as, I, I'm guilty because I'm one of those, ah, it's fine, I'm just doing it, and just keep on keeping on. And sometimes you actually have to think, like a lot of things in life, this decision I've made, is this the best thing for me? Even if it says something as rudimentary as your cable. Is this worth the money I'm paying every month? Am I getting the most bang for my buck? And I'm really, I wonder... Oftentimes, but unfortunately, I only think about it when I'm paying, when I'm writing the check or, you know, having it taken out of the account. 855-616-1620. A lot of you, it's amazing the variety or the, or the options that are out there right now. A lot of you are, I mean, there's votes for Hulu Live. There's a votes for Amazon TV and Disney Plus, which is probably the newest. Uh, uh, YouTube TV is a, is a smash. 414, we cut the cord. We were afraid at first, but we were paying almost $400 per month with AT&T Uvers. Oof. We have eight televisions. Okay. I don't have eight. So it was a box for each TV. So now we have Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. Pay less than 100 bucks a month. Has everything plus more than we need. Just do it. It'll save you a lot of money. It will. And I don't want to think about how much money would have saved had I done this years ago. 855 616 one six twenty. Did you cut the cord? Was it worth it? You know, I I don't know that I've ever. I'll have to think about this. I don't know that I've ever spoken with anybody who has said I cut the cable cord and I went to one of these other platforms and I hated it and I went back. Nobody ever goes back to cable, do they? Mary in Waukesha. Hi, Mary. You're on WTMJ. Hi. You cut the cord so two months husband, ago. Yep, we talked about it for about eight months. And kept, we saw our cable bell kept going up and up and up. We had AT&T U-verse, and now we went to Spectrum for Internet and YouTube for TV, and we're saving about $160 a month, and we love it. Wow. Wow. And we actually gained a couple channels that we didn't have on U-verse, 
um, I can't remember what it was, like National Geographic, like History Channel. And we we watch a lot of TV, and we do record a lot, and we have really had no problems. Every once in a while, we'll do an old episode that we didn't record, and it'll have ads in it. But anything current, like you said, CBS, like Sunday mornings, we tape that, and we watch that. No ads or anything. We can fast forward them, no mm-hmm. problem. Hmm. Okay, Mary, with uh, YouTube TV, you can get all the, the sports channels that you want, or whatever the case may be. I can still watch my my favorite team, stuff like that. Yeah, we, we actually get a few more because our daughter goes to the University of Dayton in Ohio, and they are doing fantastic, their men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. So we've been watching them a lot, and we're picking up more games than we ever had when we had AT&T. Okay. Very good. Thanks for the call, Mary. I appreciate it. Put down a vote for YouTube. Um, YouTube TV. Lee and Sheboygan. Hi, Lee. You're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Hi. Um, so one thing I didn't mention to your caller or your uh, screener was I didn't have TV for almost three years. Mm-hmm. And I was just so sick of the whole dish thing. <laughs> and I, my son educated me on going back. And he said, let's get some good Internet. We got good Internet. And... For, as far as sports right now, um, him and I have a tablet, and we uh, go through Yahoo Sports, hmm. and we watch basically all the sports through there, okay. and it's just amazing. The only thing we have that we pay for is Netflix, mm-hmm. and it's it's really, truly good. You have to have a good Internet provider. If you don't have that, then... <laughs> Then your phone drops out. I don't know. Your internet provider may be better than your phone provider. Last one more. Here. Let's go to Barb in Minnesota. Hi, Barb. <laughs> Hi. Um, mine is actually kind of opposite a little bit. I I have Direct TV, and I it drives me nuts because with having a dish up on the roof of my apartment building. Oh. It, invari- it invariably snows or even ice build up, uh, and I have no TV, and I, I'm not kidding, I cannot tell you how many times this has happened before a Badger game or a Packer game. <laughs> I'm so tempted to go up there and, and try to clean it off, but then I can kind of... Yeah. See myself on oh, the yeah. clock news. You, you don't want to do that. It, it's funny. Thanks for the call, Bob. I appreciate the call very much. It's funny because I, I hear not so many good so much good things about direct TV. Just the, the concept and the the satellite television provider, that, that just seems antiquated in some ways. And you're right. The weather disrupts it. I have been in a bar or a restaurant watching a game and the the feed is disrupted. And I'm getting frustrated, and well, then the bartender comes over and says, "Well, that, that's because of the, the the storm that's passing outside." I mean, are we really? Do we really, as Americans, have to tolerate in 2020 a snowstorm impacting our watch, uh, our, our our television viewing? We're better than that, and the options are better than what Dish provides. That would be one I would definitely not, absolutely not go to. Um, I appreciate the text as well. All right, I'll, I'll file that away. I'm due to pay uh, another cable bill here in a few weeks, I'm sure. And I'll think about it again because I have found when I have looked for something, you know, comparable with a price that it's usually mm, it, 
they my uh, my cable provider Spectrum will oftentimes try to finagle some sort of more affordable bill or more affordable package, but in the end, it's not all that more affordable. So I got to stop. Yeah, I have to act. That's what it comes down to, folks. Got to stop talking about it. Enough talk. Time for action. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. It is not often that I learn of a law or a rule, and it just, you, you almost think it's its something that's not true. You almost think somebody's pulling your leg, or it's a it's an onion-like headline. May you, you may or may not have known that for a long time, I think it goes back to the late 40s, early 50s, the state of New Jersey does not allow, and I've never, I've been in New Jersey real briefly, but I've never stopped for gas. So I... Don't know this from firsthand experience, but the state of New Jersey does not allow you, the motorist, to get out and pump your own gas. They have employees doing it for you. It's, uh, there is no self-serve, self-service at those fill-up stations. And up until recently, Oregon had a similar law, um, effective January 1st, 2016, so four years ago. Oregonians, or Oregonians, in rural counties are allowed to dispense their own gasoline at night. That's because if you get stranded in a remote area and a gas station is closed and the staff is no longer there, they still want you to get gas. You don't have to be stranded anymore. And they say that's a real problem because of the state's kind of wide, sprawling terrain. So it's it's done for their safety. But in New Jersey, it is illegal for people to pump their own gas. Uh, I I remember, and I, I had forgotten about that in New Jersey until I started digging more into this, because I think we talked about it on the Sykes show back when Oregon was debating their thing back in 2016. Well, guess what? Guess what? Illinois has a lawmaker that has introduced a bill that would ban Illinois drivers from pumping their own gas. 855-616-1620. Do you like this or not? Good idea, bad idea? Let's have our own little vote here, shall we? 855-616-1620. How many of us find ourselves driving through Illinois at some point in the course of a year? I was driving through it just a couple days ago. Had to stop for gas. It's it, it's just such a what? Wait, wait What? Lawmaker Camille Lilly, a Democrat of Oak Park, Illinois, is the sponsor a sponsor of this bill. The proposal would create the Gas Station Attendant Act and mandate that no gas may be pumped at a gas station in Illinois unless a gas station attendant does it. The bill had its first reading last week, was then referred to the House Rules Committee. It still has several hurdles to clear to the legislature, if passed, it would go into effect January 1st, 2021. Like I said, New Jersey is the only state where drivers are not allowed to pump their own gas. Now, the state cited fire safety as the reason behind its law. Oregon, which has a similar measure, passed the exemption that I talked about, allowing drivers in rural and low-population areas to pump their own gas. Otherwise, in uh, more highly populated areas, even in Oregon, you're not pumping your own gas. What's the reason for this? Well, jobs in large part. You need attendants to pump gas. 
You're going to need to create those positions, those jobs. Ta-da! The economy is stimulated. But would it really be the case? Yeah, they're going to hire more attendants, more jobs. But there's a is there not a cost related to the hiring of workers? And how are they going to account for that cost? Likely passing it on to the consumers who, in Illinois especially, already pay a higher gas tax. But... Is this something you would be in favor of here in Wisconsin? And this hits close enough to home, Illinois, that I think we can get jazzed about this thing. 855-616-1620. It's, it's one of those, it's a, it's a law, and you don't hear about it often, but it is a law where you feel as if we're going back in time. I, I don't know. That was my initial reaction. Wait a minute. Are, are, we, are we trying to not advance our society we need somebody else to pump our own gas. Is this really where we are at in America right now? Is this necessary? I'm a, I'm all for job creation, but is this the type of job worth creating? It's certainly not needed, is it? I, I don't know the specific numbers or statistics, but I I think I feel safe in saying that Illinois is not plagued with gas station accidents and fires, and mishaps, and disasters stemming from people not knowing how to pump their own gas, doing it the wrong way, spilling, setting their vehicles ablaze. I mean, is that is that happening? Where we need, no, 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 stop doing it. Let's get professionals in here to do it. This is just a real, this is... This is a head shaker for me. So 855-616-1620. Where are you, Wisconsin? You are not responsible enough to pump your own gas. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Then do you have to tip the attendant as well? Now, they may have a rule that says you don't have to tip them, but if they're filling up my car in a blizzard or just any kind of inclement weather, don't you feel obligated to give them a few extra bucks? 855 616-1620. Acuna Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Illinois lawmaker introduces a bill that would ban Illinois drivers from pumping their own gas. Yep, I know it's a law in New Jersey and has been since the middle of last century. Oregon used to have it throughout the state. Now they have it in only in portions of the state. So I guess you could say um, one and a half of the 50 states have something along these lines. What do you think? Uh, it's just, it's, are we going backwards? This is turn back the clock law, 855-616-1620. Let's go to the phones. Let's start with Steve in Milwaukee. Hey, Steve-O, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good afternoon, I guess. Yes, sir. Um, I'm from New Jersey. Oh. And I was born and raised there. I lived the first. Oh, 55 years of my life in New Jersey. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, you've made a lot of valid points as far as, uh, you know, you want your own, you're going to pump your own gas and la la. Let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. Jersey girls don't have to pump their own gas. We got bumper stickers that say that. That's number one. <laughs> okay. Number two, number two, which are just talking about blizzards. I'd rather sit in a nice warm car that I never have to get out of pull up to a pump, 
burn it or lower the window about two inches, extend the credit card and say, fill it regular high, whatever, mm-hmm. put the window back up, have somebody else out there doing it. They hand me back the credit card and it's been going on as long as I've been driving. I'm 60, 60 plus years old. Right. I've never pumped my own gas and I did. I never had to. And the gas in Jersey is lower than you go across the bridge into Philadelphia. It's 25, 30 cents a gallon higher there. People from all across the Delaware Valley come into New Jersey to get gas so that they don't have to get out. It's, it's, it's a benefit that is absolutely second to none. It's one of the best things about New Jersey. Well, let me ask it you really this. Is. Okay, let me ask you this, Steve. Do you tip? Would you tip the attendant? Hell no. Okay. No. I, I don't know. I'm asking. I just asked. No, no, no. I'm just. I, I heard you talking about tipping, and I was like, "What are you kidding me?" Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> no, the thing is, the thing is, you're going to have a get now. You know, a lot of the gas stations these days have. You have, like, um, well, you said you were in Jersey for just a little while. Real, like, just driving, just driving through, so I can't really speak from a perspective of anything related to Jersey. So go ahead. Okay, so up here you have things like Speedway, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. um, Quick you know, trip. little convenience stores. Yeah, Quick 7-Eleven. Trip. Right. We have the 7-Elevens in uh, Jersey, too, but we also have this store called Wawa. Mm-hmm. Now, Wawa, you go in, you if you need to get it, they gas, they get gas there, but it's a convenience store. Right. Okay? They'll pump your gas for you. Then you have to move off the line. You have to get away from the pumps. Okay? Mm-hmm. Keeps that stuff flowing. You go into the little convenience store, and let's say you want a sandwich or you want a salad or you want some soup, whatever. They're going to provide. They're going to prepare your sandwich. They're going to slice the meat for you. Wow! Make your whole sandwich okay. for you. They're going to pour and ladle out your soup for you. Steve. Is it? Let's. Yeah, By the way, Steve, I'm going to move on here. But do, oh. do they bring you that food to your car, or do you get out of your car to go into the? Yeah, you have to go get it. I mean, oh, but, not, I, no, no, but if I'm no. not, but if I'm not pumping my own gas, I don't want to get out of my car for anything. Why can't they bring the soup and well, sandwich to my window? Because they work inside the store. you got people on the outside that just pump your gas. Thanks, Steve. Like, that's oh, I, a good I, question, I, but no. I appreciate the perspective from New Jersey. There you go. He was yelling at me. I just, I didn't, I don't know, maybe a tip. I guess you don't tip. But I would feel obligated to tip if it's a blizzard and they're, you know, they're, they're doing it. Eric and Racine. Eric, don't yell at me. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh. I think it's a really good idea. I mean, obviously, a 20 below zero, I wouldn't mind somebody uh, pumping my gas for me. Um, but also, I think from a financial standpoint, where they might be coming from is drive-off preventions. Sure. Because it costs a lot. It costs a lot to do have to deal with the drive-off instance than it does to... Uh, you know, you know you're, you're right. You're gas. right. The, the drive-off factor is something that the lawmaker may bring up in their support of it. This just seems like an overcompensation for the drive-off factor. Thanks, Eric. It 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 seems like something that is, you know, you're 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 killing a you're killing a mouse with an anvil. 
if I can use that analogy. Tom in Hartford, what do you think of this idea, Tom? Well, actually, we had it here uh, years ago. On, on the late 1950s, I worked at a Clark station, and we used to pump gas for all the people. And uh, that was one of the things that they did. And all the other stations around the city pumped gas also. Right. But now no. I just... I, I just assume pump my own right now. I don't care. I don't need it. When it's cold out or when it's uh, raining out, a lot of these stations have uh, mm-hmm. uh, tops on anyway. So right. you don't really get wet. You're, you're right. Tom, there was a point in time where this was this was common practice, especially in you're a right. lot of rural communities you know, out there. And it, it's, But there's a reason it went away. I mean... There's a reason that now, like I said, 48 and a half states, we'll put Oregon at a half, 48 and a half states no longer have this as a practice for the most part. And right. you, you hit on something at the end too, Tom. Uh, can we just do it ourselves? I mean, do we, right. do, do we need right. everything done for us? And I get it's a day and age where convenience reigns. And the faster, quicker, more efficient way of doing business will usually win the day. But in the end, as simple an argument as it is, I would simply say, can't we just do it ourselves? Right. It's, it's a necessity now. If you have to have gas, you, you have to do it yourself or whatever, yeah. right? Thanks, so, Tom. I don't mind it at all. All right. Very good. Thanks, Tom. Text line coming up as well. We'll look at that in a second. But uh, first, let's head to Montello and talk to Gianni. Hey, Gianni. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Scott. Um, yeah, as a slightly overweight uh, uh, cheesehead, um, I enjoy, I want to pump my own gas. I want to get out of the car and um, maybe uh, clean my windshield, stretch my legs, and uh, run in and... Uh, I, I frequent the local quick trips, so you know maybe I'll get some potatoes. I'll run in there and get a you know a sandwich or something. Um, so I welcome the the um, option of getting out and pumping my own gas. It stretches my legs, and I you know I, I was in Japan for a couple of years, and over there they um, you know this it's they, they come out an attendant comes out and, and pumps their gas, and it's a you know high high service and then that, but you pay for it. It was about four dollars a gallon for for gas over there. So uh, I, I don't know what the basis would be for, uh, for proposing this legislation. Um, well, jobs. Is, is it, it would be certainly yeah, jobs. Jobs is number one. Well, yeah, yeah, but but but, but Quick Trip, uh, you know, they, they hire many many people uh, as stockers and checkers and, and cashiers in their in their store. So you know, we don't need them outside putting gas in our tank. Uh, they're, well, they're I, I think this would, be, this would be in addition to them. <clears throat> Thanks, Gianni. I appreciate your call as always. He mentioned something, and it kind of struck me. And he mentioned it. A couple of our other callers mentioned it as well. When you go to a gas station now, when you fill up your vehicle, so many of us do something else that really wasn't even thought of, really wasn't even an option. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago. There's something now tied to filling up our gas and something tied to us getting out of our car and filling up our own gas tank that it may very well be impacted should a law like this be implemented in Illinois or one day even in Wisconsin. Can you think of what that is? I'll share when we come back. 
Okay, think about this. Play this out. If Wisconsin were to adopt a law like this, or for those of you in Illinois who are debating this, if if pumping your own gas is banned, if it is illegal, what does that mean for the quick trips, for the Speedway Super Americas, for the 7-Elevens, who are now more than ever catering to people going into the stores and buying product. Now, I know there are many people who will go just there for coffee and nothing else. And you'll always keep going for your morning coffee or a donut, some sort of breakfast item. But how many people go into that store, even if they're paying at the pump with a credit card, how many people go into the store because they've gotten out of their car to pump their own gas? Think about that. You you can't tell me that that business... Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Well, there were some really good texts that came in regarding our conversation uh, in the last half hour about the state of Illinois proposing a law that would make it illegal to have you pump your own gas. I just want to read a couple because you gave it some thought and you bring some good perspective and then we'll move on. One texture on the 414. I'm, I am from New Jersey and I think that the problem with it is gas stations do not want to stay open through the wee hours of the night because they have to then be staffed. And so it's harder after midnight to find a gas station that's open if you're driving in New Jersey. Also, the gas stations can get backed up. There are some logistical elements of this that could be challenging. And even though your car is done and your tank is full, you're waiting like five minutes for the attendant to get back to you to take the pump out of the car and give you your credit card back. Hello, I'm good to go. Hello, hello. And the 920. Why stop with just pumping gas? Okay, let's play this out. Let's outlaw changing my own oil. Or putting air in my tires. Let's make it illegal to pick up uh, your own uh, uh, table at a fast food restaurant. Think of all the jobs, if it's just based on job creation. They say, think of all the jobs that could be created. This is ridiculous. If there is such a need for this, why don't we let the stations decide to employ a gas attendant and see if it generates more business, rather than have a law be created for it. 414. They've already installed these new modern gas pumps that are self-serve with credit card machines and so on, so we can do it ourselves. It's like still needing an elevator operator to work an elevator instead of just pushing the button. It's funny, a few of you have referenced an elevator analogy. Hmm. You do play it out. You go, okay. I mean, it's, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but there's something to it. If we need a law or... <laughs> If we need to be told you can't pump your own gas, then what's the next thing you can't do? I mean, and people go, well, it's not, it's not always, not everything's a slippery slope. I know, but I mean, it's within reason to say that if that's the law that's coming down the pike one day, well, then maybe a couple years from now, you're right. Then it's, it's no longer fill your own tires with air, or change your oil or stuff like that. I don't know. We kind of see the opposite of this, though, happening with grocery stores. Like, I, whenever I go to a pick and save, there the lines for the self service are so much longer 
than for the actual, you know, people at the register. Now, granted, there's only about two or three people at registers now. They'll probably have like seven or eight stations, but only half of them are being used. But um, yeah, I mean, I noticed that from grocery stores. There's a lot of self-service there. That is an excellent point. It flies in the face of the way society is moving. There's more. There's more I can do it myself. Let me do it myself. Then there is, let's do it for you. I know it, it, that's an excellent point. I noticed it at a particular grocery store that I was at last week that in addition to the two rows of self-checkout on one end of the cash register floor, they have now removed, let's say, let's say it's, if it's one to ten, nine and ten were all, have been self-checkout. Yep. Now this particular store has removed one and two, and made yep. those self-checkout as well. So on both ends of the cash register zone, you can now and you know check out yourself. Yeah, the place that I go to has three stations, and there's four computers at each station, and mm-hmm. almost all of them are always busy when they're open, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the weekends. Like the weekends, it's a it's almost a nightmare going to a grocery store on the weekend because of how just mm-hmm. the volume of people, but all of them are in a hurry, well, like me. And, and, and think about other things, too. Now you've got me thinking. Now now you've started something, Kyle. Think of McDonald's. McDonald's in the last year and a half, two years, has gone to a much more automated system whereby you walk into most, not all of them, but I think most McDonald's, you walk in and instead of having four cash registers and you wait in line, maybe there's two cash registers and then there's four kiosks where you go and place your order and enter your you know your your credit card and then walk over and wait for your meal or your order to be handed to you. So McDonald's and and how many fast how many and I know Jeff has talked about it. How many fast food restaurants, fast food places have talked about more automation, less manpower, quote-unquote. Yeah, right? I mean, even the drive-thrus, too. I haven't encountered too many of them, but the ones where you just drive up and it'll have the robot speak to you and you just mm-hmm. press on a computer screen what you want, send it in, drive up, pay for it. There is a person there. Right. Great. But, yeah, I mean, that the, the, the way that we're moving, it seems like we're... This doesn't support no, that. <laughs> it goes completely opposite of the way that society is going it's just it's 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 so stark by the contrast the contrast to the way we're going in society right now we'll see does it have if it look if, if there's any state that's going to adopt something like that illinois would be one of those you know at or near the top of the list if i were to say guess the state that's doing this maybe people would guess california as well illinois Maybe. Hey, don't forget, before we get we'll do this in about a half hour or so, and today's voting is closed. It is a, it's more like a primary than a caucus. Uh, the, the How Much Do You Love Golf contest. We're doing it all this week, WTMJ's Facebook page, and uh, we're partnering with the great folks at Sticks Golf Entertainment. And if you go to WTMJ Facebook page, click on the, click on the logo, click on the photo, asking you to tell us how much you love golf. And if we pick your comment... 
you'll get a $25 gift card to enjoy Sticks Golf. Kyle and I will spend the next uh, little while here going over today's submissions, and we will pick one and announce that winner coming up in a half hour. We'll also have a pack of three stories. We'll do that at 2.35. Do a great Scott set as well. A couple of random things I want to get to before I'm out of time. By the way, tomorrow uh, I'm going to reach out to, hopefully he can join us. I probably shouldn't pre-sell this in case he's just not able to do it, but I will anyway because, hey, that's how, that's how I fly. Craig Gilbert, um, uh, the best, one of the best political minds that we have in this media market. I'm going to try to reach out to Craig and see if he can't jump on with us tomorrow to talk about what happens tonight in New Hampshire and what that means for Democrats moving forward, the, the, the threat to the president based on who emerges from New Hampshire. Joe Biden is already in South Carolina. If he's not, he's on a plane right now going, yeah, you know, I don't feel good about tonight. But it's not just about Iowa, New Hampshire. you got to look at this thing from the whole, from the 35,000-foot vantage point. Valentine's Day, of course, is coming up Friday. There's a record that's going to be hit when it comes to Valentine's Day gift spending this year. $1.7 billion dollars. Americans will spend on Valentine gifts for whom? When we come back. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, okay, texters. Yeah, you guessed it right. Somebody's saying I'm so predictable. billion this Valentine's Day being spent by Americans on their pets. The answer is, the password is pets. The National Retail Federation says that 27% of people will buy Valentine's Day gifts for their pets, totaling $1.7 billion in spending. Wow. The numbers are the highest, apparently, in history, and have increased by 17% since 2010. Hmm. Uh, one expert says, Husbands and wives don't need to be worried if their spouses are buying a Valentine's Day gift for someone else. Most likely, it's a treat for the family dog. Okay? As a whole, Valentine's Day spending is expected to hit record highs, with total spending projected at over $27 billion, up 32% from last year's record of $20 billion. Boy, a lot of people did some bad things this year. If they feel that they have to spend more on their Valentine's Day, maybe they're making up for something. Mm-hmm. About 55% of Americans plan to celebrate the holiday altogether. All right, let's just do this real quickly. I'm not going to mock, criticize. I simply need to be educated because um, I've never bought a Valentine for my pet. Are you going to be buying a Valentine for your pet? Just, just tell me why. What is your pet and what will you be getting it? I'd really like to learn more. Sometimes I need a little education here, and that's okay. 855-616-1620 on the Acuna Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. I'm willing to bet that if the nation is spending over $1.5 billion to buy a Valentine's gift, Valentine's Day gift for pets, one of you out there is doing it. There's got to be people with an earshot of my voice that are doing it. I do have a question. I may ask you this question then um, if you call in. Now, how does the pet know 
it's Valentine's Day. I just, I'm just saying, could you not get the pet a nice little treat or gift on March 14th? And I'm willing to bet they would enjoy it as much on March 14th as they would February 14th. But that's just me. Again, I'm not a pet owner. I like pets. I'm not anti-pet. But I could never see myself buying a gift for my pet because it's Valentine's Day. I get rewarding Fido or Foofy with something from time to time. When I was a kid, we would do that for our dog. But something specific to Valentine's Day, I would just, uh, I would like to be illuminated here. If you would like to illuminate, 855-616-1620 on the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And nobody is calling in or texting, so apparently maybe of the $1.7 billion being spent, none of that coming from the WTMJ listeners. That could very well be the case. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are making some headway here on our search for what exactly what exactly Joe Biden was talking about when he called a New Hampshire voter this yesterday. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> Again, he called a, a, a woman who asked a question a lying-faced pony soldier. He asked her if she had ever been to a caucus before. He, she said no. And he said that kind of tongue-in-cheek. So... The campaign was asked, okay, what, the campaign was asked, what the bleep was he saying? And they claim it came from a John Wayne film, but they really can't substantiate that because John Wayne made over 180 movies. What they have, what what some media outlets have been able to discern is that it's a combination of two quotes. There was a 1952 film called Pony Soldier, where a chief, uh, a Native American chief, says, quote, the pony soldier speaks with a tongue of the snake that rattles. And then in the 1949 John Wayne movie, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, which has no Native American chiefs in it, the narrator uses the phrase dog-faced soldiers. So apparently we are working under the assumption that um, Joe Biden combined those two from some deep recesses of his mind to come up with... You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Well, we may have stumbled on something here. The uh, research and development team from the Jeff Wagner Show on loan to us here this week as I fill in for it. We may have stumbled onto something. Stick around. Uh, we'll bring that to you in just a couple of moments. Don't forget tonight, of course, we will have our full New Hampshire coverage, primary New Hampshire, not a caucus, Nevada's caucusing next week. So Katie, bar the door, because they were going to use the same app. I don't think they're using the same app. If they are, they're saying, the Democratic Party of Nevada is saying that the, the bugs have been worked out. Who knows? I, I don't. We're never going to see another caucus again. We shouldn't see another caucus again. If it's too hard to explain, and caucusing is hard to explain. You know, I was here last week on Monday during the Iowa caucus, and I kind of ventured into explaining how it goes, but then I was talking myself into circles, and I said, you know what, It's a very sim- it should be a very simple process, casting a vote, showing support for a candidate. And if you can't even explain the caucus process, should the process still be a thing anyway? So, we'll see, we'll see. Sounds like it's going to be between Sanders and Buttigieg. 
Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Mayor Pete and Bernie. One of those two will emerge tonight. If it's Buttigieg, he's going to be riding high. I would anticipate Buttigieg, if he does win tonight, to kind of really go strong, knowing that I didn't get a chance to, even though he did declare victory, he was not officially the winner last week. And um, there's, there's a chance he looks a little more presidential, maybe. He did. There's something about Buttigieg's delivery that irks me. And I don't know what it is. It's hard for me to, I can't put my finger on it. There's something about his delivery that annoys me. Do you, I'm not sure. Do you know, Melissa? I'm, there's something about it's a very, it's almost. Is it fakey to you? Too rehearsed, too statesman esque. He's got that political. And I look over here, phase, and I talk right. to the right, and I pause, and I look to the left. Well, some people like that. It's that polished politician. Well, and I guess if you think about it, he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and a lot of people say he's not qualified to be president. So one way you can show being qualified to be president is to sound more presidential, which is what he's trying to do. But I just you I you're not falling see for that. it as phony baloney. Yeah. I don't like phony. I think if he wins tonight, we'll see more. Look to the right. Do you notice how they I all... I don't know. I don't think he sounds like that, but maybe that's just me. You don't me. think so? Not really. I mean, I'll have to listen in, but I understand what you're saying, though. I mean, he's... I think it's more... It could be more gestures than voice. The gestures. Like maybe the gestures presidential gestures it, the candidates as well they're trying to their speech pattern just just watch this note this and this is gonna i'm gonna say this anyway but somebody's gonna say you sexist the female candidates are are trying to stabilize their 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 voices like elizabeth warren yes. Amy Klobuchar. because look this is just how the physical makeup of men and women are mm-hmm. i think a lot of times um, when a woman is trying to speak above a crowd, speak uh, louder than than the fans cheering, the voice because it, it can go up an octave higher than a man, can sound a little bit shrillish, and that's what a lot of people criticize Hillary Clinton for. So when you try to talk loud, I think as a female, your voice gets a little thinner, and the thinner the voice, it, what you're looking at me that kind could of be. with a skeptical Well, it could voice. be no, and but, I think but, but it, it, it's, it's just it's, a. I mean, it's just a, a, a medical scientific. Yeah, fact. no, I understand. I think um, also it could it, when you're yelling, it could come off as angry, and yes. I don't know if that's look. I, I no, think, I understand that. I think that's something that female candidates have. They, they're faced with every time. How do I come across strong without angry? Sure. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's something that's that, a hard. That's a hard um, determination to do. It's a hard wall to walk on yeah yeah it, it's something that male candidates nobody have nobody ever says boy he he's, he's really angry he sounds angry yeah but a lot of people say elizabeth warren you know has a ang- sort of an more of an angry approach but it could be right. her just trying to get her point across i don't know but, i agree yeah but there's something to the I, i'm i'm all about the the optics of these candidates as they continue on the on the path to the white house and watching yeah, so the the vocal inflections are key. But like I said, I think Buddha Judge is trying to be very presidential and pause and do it look left, look right, all that stuff. Because he is just the mayor of just the mayor of South Bend. Oh, he said just the mayor. All right. Are people mad that I offend people? I'm not saying women's voices are shrill, but I'm saying from an actual vocal oh, I know. I know element. What you're saying. Yeah. If they're trying if you're trying to speak above a crowd, 
Your voice One, gets as you thinner. know, female voices are obviously higher yes. in, in, in general. So I get what you're saying. All right. We'll take some Thanks calls Thanks for offending everyone, Scott. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Who do you hate women? 233. Let's get caught up in the headlines. No, we? you don't hate me. So no, no, not at all. Just okay. a strong dislike. <laughs> what? No. Oh, no, that's No, horrible. that's not true at all. Well, thank you, Scott. Mildly. On to news. <laughs> Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Two thirty-eight. Don't forget. In mere minutes, we will give away today's twenty-five dollar gift card, courtesy of Sticks Golf. Our "How much do you love golf?" Facebook contest. Been looking over the comments. Some pretty creative ones out there today answering that question. So be listening, and we will award that in mere moments. But first, right now, let's do this. Great Scott. Major League Baseball, weighing major changes to postseason, including growing the number of teams to 14. <laughs> yes, because you get a you get a you get a playoff berth, you get a playoff berth, you get a playoff berth. They're considering a move in which each the American and National League by 2022 would have three division winners and four wild card teams. So seven from each league, 14 total, make the playoffs. The best team in the league would get a bye into the division series. Then you have six teams left. The two remaining division winners and the wild card team with the best record of the four would each host all games of a best of three series in the opening round. Once the teams clinch and the regular season ends, this is where things get, I don't know, interesting. The division winner with the second best record would select its wild card opponent from the three wild card winners not hosting a series. The division winner with the worst record would then choose its opponent from the remaining two wild card teams. The final matchup would pit the wild card winner with the best record against the wild card team not yet chosen. And all of those selections would be unveiled live on TV Sunday night of the final regular season games. Did you get that? The thing that jumps out to me the most I have no interest. This is this is this is not I do not like this at all. I have no interest in having teams pick the teams they're going to play in the playoffs. All right, let's see. I want to play you guys. You guys are a worse team than those guys, so we'll play you. You talk about you talk about bulletin board material. You want to motivate a team, even if that three-game series is played in your ballpark, which is what they would do. You want to motivate an opponent? Pick them because you think they're the worst options of all the teams available in the playoffs. Yeah, some of you asking, what does that do for the World Series? Um, I believe that would put the World Series right around Thanksgiving. I know many of you, many of us, there have been times occasionally, very infrequently in our past, where we've had too much to drink. And when we've had too much to drink, we may have, admit it, admit it, you've done some foolish things. You've done some things that if you were completely 100% sober, you would never, ever do. Maybe, maybe you had a little too much to drink on an airplane. Now, hopefully you never created a disruption, but some people do just that. And such was one case for a passenger 
named Matthew Flaherty, 44 years old. He was on an easy jet from Manchester Airport to a city that I can't pronounce in Iceland. Side note, I've never heard of the airline EasyJet. <laughs> it sounds like something out of a sitcom or Family Guy or Simpsons or something. Anyway, EasyJet. Hmm. That was the airline. He's on a flight. He pulled a bottle of gin from his bag and began swigging it straight. Bottomed out the bottle. Then he started flirting with a female passenger, but she ignored him. He told her to expletive off and screamed, screamed now, he was going to kill her family. Yeah, he's been, uh, I'd say, overserved, but he served himself. Cabin crew members, as they like to do, urged, calm down, sir. Please go back to your seat. But then he turned on them, shouting death threats. Now we're getting serious. You're on an airplane, remember. Struggled with a man who attempted to retrieve his bag from an overhead locker. The staff alerted the pilot to the incident, which was gradually escalating. The pilot took the precaution of locking the cockpit door, smart, and we're going to divert this plane to Edinburgh Airport, and thus ruining, this happened over the holidays, ruining the holidays of over 140 passengers on board. This is where it gets even more interesting. As the flight began its descent into Edinburgh, he started to pull apart his mobile phone. Because when you get that drunk, you start out of anger, pulling apart your mobile phone, and began to chew the electrical parts. The phone's battery fell. Imagine this scene. The phone's battery fell onto a seat and began to smoke, causing one steward to rush over and place the device into a glass of water. After landing, he was taken to a police station where he continued his drunken outburst. He also got racially abused. He racially abused an officer using the N-word. Gosh, threatening to kill his family. Pleaded guilty to charges. Air crew staff quite shaken by the behavior. And the court heard none of the cabin staff had ever dealt with anyone as extreme before as this. She was very intimidated, one person said. One stewardess, as it were. Was worried he would physically harm me. I tried to calm him down, but he showed it. I'm going to kill you if you do not shut up. She says to the judge, the accuser, or the accused, Flaherty took his mobile phone out, began to destroy it with his bare hands, cutting himself in the process. So he's bleeding. And then he started putting parts of the phone in his mouth, chewing them up. That's when the battery was discarded, started burning the seat. My gosh. Wow. So I guess in the end, you can say, have you ever been so drunk that you got so mad you took your phone apart? So drunk you took your phone apart and began chewing the innards? Right, Scott! And last but not least, Target is apologizing. Remember when Target was in the news all the time for their gender or their transgender bathroom plan and a few other issues they had? They've been kind of quiet in that respect of late. Well... They, uh, they're apologizing because Target released a statement apologizing for some misprinted onesies bearing the name Minnesota Badgers in the familiar University of Minnesota maroon and gold. Color us red, the statement began. As a Minnesota-based company, we know we are home to the Gophers. Perhaps it's some sort of cosmic atonement. 
Remember that, uh, as uh, J.R. Radcliffe writes in the Journal Sentinel, remember that ESPN announced referred to them as the Gophers of Wisconsin during the NCAA Volleyball Championship game in December. But there you have it. I, I don't know if they're still on shelves now. Maybe somebody bought one after seeing the mistake. But this Target in the... Uh, I guess this is up in the Minnesota, Minneapolis area, the headquarters of Target. Onesies now available, or were available anyway. Minnesota Badgers. Get it while it's hot, I guess. And that, my friends, is a Tuesday edition of... Great 